Bibles, we're looking at Isaiah chapter 65. If you want to start Isaiah chapter 65. Lots of stuff going on. Uh, tomorrow is, of course, Memorial Day, and we have the float uh, entry as our bus, our new bus. It's uh, getting looking sharp out there. It's all shined up and decorated and looking good. Jill will have some uh, information after the service today about uh, Memorial Day, when we meet, where we meet, and all that sort of thing. Uh, hopefully, we have a good crew to ride the bus and uh, participate in all that. So, praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. I love it when Peggy sings, don't you? You know, I, one of the things I do, it's probably not a good habit, but generally during the song service, I sing a little and I'm looking at my message a little bit and looking at some scriptures. And, and I was doing that just now when she got up to sing. And so I heard the music start and, you know, I, I, I knew the song, of course, so I'm kind of humming it in my head and I'm going over my notes. And I realized she's singing a song that I've included in my message today. So in fact, uh, that was the title of my message is What Heaven Means to Me. I don't think there's a, a more exciting topic to talk about in church than heaven, do you? Uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, there's not a lot that we know about heaven. I mean, the, the Bible does give us some types of descriptions, but then it's all kind of explained away as I hath not seen nor ear heard what the Father hath in store for us. So all the descriptions John gave, for instance, in the book of Revelation, and he gives a pretty good description, you know, and, and we talk about the stones and all these things and the streets of gold and all those are probably just the best description that John could come up with with what he saw. I don't think heaven's going to be made with these earthly stones and earthly. I think it's something that we've never seen before, but it'll be an amazing thing. Have you ever thought about heaven and what it'll be like? You always see the pictures of the clouds, of course, floating around and people on these clouds with harps. And we always hear people talking about our loved ones becoming angels. And that's not true. We're not going to be angels. We're going to be people. Angels are angels and people are people. But we'll get to, we'll get to join hands with the angels and maybe get to sing with the angels. And that'll be nice. But we often wonder about it. So I wanted to talk to you about heaven today. I guess it'd help if I maybe open my Bible to get us started. But uh, I wanted to talk to you about heaven today. And uh, we talk about heaven and we sing about heaven. Isaiah chapter 65 talks about heaven, and I use that passage to open up with. But the first part of Isaiah 65 really talks about the, the fallen world that we live in. It talks about how bad the world has become. And then he ends chapter 65 by going into a description of the new heaven and the new earth one day. And I think he gives a pretty good description of what we have to look forward to in glory. He says this, he says, For behold, I create create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. And he says, No more shall be heard in the land, and no more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. Many times we talk about heaven as being a place where there are no tears anymore. He says, This new world from chapter 65, the first portion, it was bad, but he comes along and he says, But I'm going to create something new. And never again will you hear the cries of distress or weeping. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. He says, we're going to a land where death no more rules over us. 
We'll never again have to say goodbye to a, a, a precious infant that dies either in his mother's womb or shortly after death, or we'll never have to bury a child again, he describes. And even we as adults, he says, and he uses that term a hundred years, but what he's saying is we'll live forever and we'll never experience death again. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. I'll tell you, as a pastor, I'm telling, I was praying the other day and I ran across the scripture and I'm preparing my sermon and I said, oh God, you are wearing me out with funerals here at this church. First 20 years or 15, 18 years of my ministry, I did one or two funerals and the last seven years I've done a hundred funerals. And this verse came up and he says, don't worry because there's coming a day when there'll never be a funeral again. We'll never face death again. Man, that sounds like heaven to me. When we talk about this is just what heaven means to me, I'll take that one. He says, they'll build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. I love that description too because because they're coming a day when we're not going to be frustrated by all the things that used to come around in life and devour what we had. You ever, you know, think you got it all together and then someone comes along and just takes your puzzle pieces of life and just scatters them everywhere? And you say, man, that was a dirty thing to do. We thought we had our plan together. We thought everything was working out just fine. And someone comes along and our life's like that wooden Jenga game with the wooden blocks. And someone pulls the block out and everything goes falling everywhere. He says, there's coming a day when you'll build houses and you'll live in those houses. When you'll plant crops and you'll reap the benefit of those things. There'll never be anyone that comes along and devours what's yours again. That's what heaven is, he says. He says, he goes on in 24, he says, but they will call and I will answer while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Think about that. How many of you ever prayed those prayers that it seemed like you were praying and praying and praying and you wondered if God was ever going to answer your prayer? And you prayed long enough that you maybe even began to doubt if he was even hearing your prayer. But he tells us that this new heaven and this new earth, in that place, he says, while we're praying, God will already be hearing us. And we don't even need to finish the sentences because he's right there in our presence. No longer will we gather in church and and have a prayer meeting where we join hands and, and pray to a God that we do not see with earthly eyes, but we'll be in the presence of God himself, the one who hears our prayers and answers our prayers. Prayer will become a whole new thing in heaven it'll be much different. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. Describes a world of peace when the wolf and the lamb lay down together, and the lion no longer chooses to eat meat, but he'll eat straw, and the dust shall be the serpent's food. And heaven's going to be a wonderful place. Heaven's going to be a wonderful place. I've often heard people ask about animals in heaven, and I don't know if you could draw it from this, but I almost believe we're going to see all the most beautiful creatures God has ever created, but they're going to be in the state they were in the Garden of Eden. It will be perfection once again. And so he gives us this picture of heaven, and it's interesting that John in the book of Revelation in chapter 21 gives his depiction of what he sees, and it ties right in with what Isaiah prophesied about. 
Listen to what John says, and you'll, you'll hear the similarities. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her, her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself shall be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. What a beautiful picture of heaven once again of an eternity that we can go to. And he describes some of the same things, that there'll be no tears and there'll be no death and there'll be no mourning and torment and all these things will be gone and God will be right there in our presence. Right about here, we can get wrapped up in a debate about end times and whether or not God's going to reign here on earth a thousand years or whether he's not going to reign here a thousand years. And really, if we do that and we get wrapped up in that, we're missing the whole point. Whether he reigns on earth or reigns in heaven, he will be in our midst. And that is what heaven means to me, is when I'm in the presence of God forever. I had on my notes... This is just what heaven means to me by the Happy Goodman family, but today we'll say it's by Peggy Wallen. The author of the song says, A country where no twilight shadows deepen, unending day where night will never be, a city where no storm clouds ever gather. It's a place where there is no misunderstanding, and from all enmity and strife, we're free. No unkind words to wound our hearts are spoken. And when at last we see the face of Jesus before whose image other loves all flee. And when they crown him Lord of all, I'll be there. This is just what heaven means to me. What will it be when we get over yonder and join the throng around the glassy sea to join our loved ones and crown Christ forever? This is just what heaven means to me. And you find a continuing theme in these songs about heaven, and we sing a lot of songs about heaven. It's interesting, I started kind of putting together songs about heaven, and there are so many songs that we sing. We long for this place. We long for eternity with God where things will be different. And one of the recurring themes in these songs is that phrase, to join our loved ones. Amen? How many got some there? And crown Christ forever. This is just what heaven means to me. We sing the hymn, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all sing Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Vince Gill wrote one of the most beautiful songs, I think, of all time personally. And Vince Gill said, go rest high on that mountain. Son, your work on earth is done. Go to heaven a shouting. Love for the Father and the Son. That was his view of heaven. The Inspirations and several other gospel songs, singers sang a song that said, Some morning you'll find me touring that city where the Son of God is the light. You'll find me there on the streets so pretty, made of gold so pure and so bright. With Jesus, the one who gave me the victory, who led me across the divide, some morning you'll find me touring that city where with Him 
I will ever abide. The contemporary singing group Mercy Me wrote these words, and they are beautiful indeed. He said, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you, be still. Can you imagine to be in the presence of Jesus, the one who died, who gave his life for us? He said, will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. And that really is the truth. We can only imagine what God has for us. One of my favorite songs about heaven, and, and again, I, I, I wouldn't bet my life on the theology in any of these songs. But I like the heart. But Brad Paisley says, when I get where I'm going, on the far side of the sky, the first thing that I'm going to do is spread my wings and fly. I like that idea. Man, if a big old fat preacher can fly, that's got to be something. (laughs) For me, I'm going to crash land beside a lion and run my fingers through his mane. Or I might find out what it's like to ride a drop of rain. I'm going to walk with my granddaddy, and he'll match me step for step. And I'll tell him how I missed him every minute since he left. And then I'll hug his neck. Man, isn't that good? You got somebody there? He says, yeah, when I get where I'm going, there'll be only happy tears. I will shed the sins and struggles I've carried all these years. And I'll leave my heart wide open. I will love and have no fear. Yeah, when I get where I'm going, don't cry for me down here. That's something we need to remember. Our loved ones in heaven, they're saying, don't cry for me. Man, I got it made. He says, so much pain and so much darkness in this world we stumble through. All these questions I can't answer, so much work to do. But when I get where I'm going and I see my maker's face, I'll stand forever in the light. His amazing grace. When I get where I'm going, there'll be only happy tears. I will love and have no fear when I get where I'm going. We sing songs like this all the time. I don't know about you, but man, they jerk at my heart every time I hear these things. We think about what lies ahead. And some of it's mysterious to us, and some of it is not so mysterious because God has promised us things. In John chapter 14, we find a beautiful passage of Scripture where Jesus is comforting his disciples before he dies. And he's telling them what to look forward to. He says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. There's some things I want to point out in that passage of Scripture. The first one is this, is that Jesus comforts our troubled hearts with the promise of heaven. He comes to his disciples, and, and, it, and it would be no different for us with, leaving, with our loved ones leaving us. None of us look forward to that. And he comes along and he says, let me comfort you with something. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me and what I'm about to tell you. 
And heaven is just this source of calm in the storms of life, isn't it? Not always that we're in a hurry to get there. I don't know about you, and I'm not in a hurry to get there. I figure a day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. And probably my loved ones, when they get there, it's going to be the same timing for them. So, you know, they can wait a thousand years for me to get there. It's not going to hurt them. I'm in no hurry. But heaven sure does calm me down when things are rough. When you're sitting in a chemo chair and you think there won't be any of this in heaven, that sure gives you a calming effect, doesn't it? Or when you're laying in a hospital bed waiting for them to wheel you in for some kind of heart surgery, or you just, you know, no more of this in heaven. I'll have a glorified body. Or when you're visiting a child who's sick in the hospital and you realize one day all this sin and suffering and pain will be gone because heaven will have none of this. That offers us comforting. When you read the news and you see all the hate that's in this world and you see people that would kill themselves in order to kill 20 or 30 young girls at a concert and you say, heaven will have none of this. It's a comforting thought to think of a world that's ruled by Christ and Christ alone. So heaven is this place of calm, but he says, believe in God, believe also in me. And we must know that we can only have that assurance, that trouble that will fade when we talk about heaven only comes when we believe God and have faith in him. And then he says this, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? I love the fact that heaven is number one, it's the father's house. Jesus described it that way. He says, at my father's house, there are many rooms. And that is great. We're not going to some, you know, cloud to float around on, you know. We're not going to be hanging by a star somewhere, playing a violin and, you know, dressed in white robes. We're going to the Father's house. That's a big deal. You know, you ever gone to someone's house and it just made your day that they invited you to their house? I think, you know, sometimes as a pastor, I forget how sometimes the little guys, they really look up to the pastor. And so one of the things, Catherine and I, we were talking about this the other day, a few years ago, we bought our house and, and it's, it's, it's nice. I mean, it's not a mansion, but we love it. We, every day we go, man, I love our house. We just love it. And it's got a pool and man, that is great when it gets really hot and all these things. But we both talked about it and we said, when we got to house, God, if you'll give us that house, it'll be your house and we'll use it for you. And so every time I get my pool water just crystal clear, she invites over a whole bunch of dirty little kids to mess it up. <laughs> and man, they mess it up. And then I spend the next month trying to clean it up. But I sit there on the patio watching them swim, and it just warms my heart. And especially when you see the excitement. One of them the other day said, we're going to the pastor's house? Like that was some big deal. They, you know, they thought I'm on a Hollywood tour of movie stars' houses. We're going to the pastor's house? I promise you, my house is nothing compared to the father's house. And we ought to be like that little kid, and we ought to look at that verse and say, we get, we get to go to God's house? How amazing is that? He said, in my father's house are many rooms. Heaven is spacious. It is, it's huge. 
I think growing up, me and Jimmy, there was times we had to have the same room. Man, that was torture for me. He was mean. Mom and dad would stick us in that room, and we'd put a bunk bed in there. And of course, they put the fat kid on top all the time. And my brother would be down there scared to death that his life was going to end at any moment. And of course, me being mean, I'd hang over the edge and kind of slap him when I'd think he was falling off to sleep and drop things on him and those sorts of things. As kids, you just think, man, I wish I had my own room. And he says, in my father's house are many rooms. There's room for all of us there. God has a place for you. And that's, there's just something special about, I get my own room. I watched that movie, and maybe you've seen it, The Blind Side, about the football player that kind of lived in a tough situation, and the lady, the booster, for, and she took him in, and she, and there's a scene in this movie. She sets up his own bedroom. And he was just in awe of that, that he got his own room. And that's how God describes heaven. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. Jesus was essentially telling them, God's got a place for you there. You belong there. I guess when you get your own room, you're kind of permanent there, aren't you? And then he says this, If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and I prepare a place for you? And we need to know that Jesus prepares the way for us and He prepares the place for us. When He went to the cross and died for our sins, He made it possible for us to go to heaven. And then when He rose again and ascended into heaven, He said, I'm going now to prepare a place for you. I've taken care of the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now I'm going to prepare the place. And then he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And in that passage, in that statement, we have so much. There's the promise of his return. He says, if I go, I'll come again. How many believe Jesus is going to come again? Man, that ought to be the, the, the thing we shout about in church is that the Lord's coming back. You know, I mean, think about it. You're all charged up to the max on the credit cards. What if he came back today? Praise God, I'm done with these bills. (laughs) Our big dream is to pay off that 30-year mortgage and the Lord returns and we say, hallelujah. I mean, there's some earthly benefits to him coming again. I mean, if you can't get excited about it for any other reason, get excited. I don't What if he came today and you didn't have to go to work tomorrow. Most of you don't have to go to work tomorrow, do you? Some of you are sitting there saying, well, Lord, tomorrow's a holiday. Why not Tuesday? (laughs) But Jesus promised us that he'd come again. And you know what? Jesus is really good at keeping promises. He's faithful. He keeps his promises. He promised the Old Testament saints that he would come the first time, and he came as that baby in a manger. And he did what he was sent here to do. And he cried from the cross, it is finished. And then he rose again and he told us, I'm going, but I'm coming back one day. And I'll take you to be there with me. The promise of his return. And then he says that where I am, there you may be also. And that's why I don't get all wrapped up in this. Is it going to be on earth? Is it going to be in the heavens? Is it going to be in between? Uh, Millennial... If I'm with Jesus, 
I'm good with it. Amen? The alternative, you could spend a thousand years with the devil. Hey, he says, where I am, you'll be also. That really is the essence of heaven, isn't it? Think about a dream home. I mean, you know, just think of paradise. The perfect home, the perfect yard, the waterfall in the corner, just whatever it is that you think of. And then think of getting that and moving in, but realizing you don't have anyone there but you. I think what makes my house so special is I get to share it with Kathy. And I'm just afraid sometimes we get wrapped up in heaven and and streets of gold and, and crystal seas and all these things, these descriptors, and those are okay. But don't miss the most important part of heaven is it will be with Jesus. He said that where I am, you may be also. That's what heaven means to me. Let me give you three things that I love about heaven that I'm looking forward to. Number one is the company. The company. There's nothing that makes life more wonderful than the company around you. And there's nothing that will make heaven more wonderful than the company we'll have there. Think of who we'll be with. We'll be with Jesus, number one, who loves us. Can you imagine the first time we see him? I imagine it'll be like the song. I can only imagine what it's going to be like when we see him face to face. Can you imagine when he holds his arms out and you see the nail scars in his hands? And he says, come here, come here. And he welcomes you into heaven with a big hug, his arms wrapped around you. And then says, come along, I want to show you some things. I mean, just being with Jesus, there's no better company than that. And then there's the angels. I'm kind of curious to see the angels. We get all these pictures and these descriptions, and the Bible gives us some of these descriptions, and then we make up our own, but I want to see an angel. I think I'm going to be tempted to get behind an angel and stretch his wings out just to look at him. See how they're attached. You know how we do with some people, you pull their hair to see if it's real? Poor President Trump. They, they just dogged that guy about wearing a toupee. Anybody knew it was real when you see him in the wind, it just sticks to that head and stands up. And I think I'm going to be like the person that pulls that hair to see if it's real or it's a wig. I'm going to, I want to go out and pull on that angel's wing. Is it really attached or is it something you strap on? But the angels, and then the saints of old. You see John the Baptist, I, I wonder if he's still camel hair, and, you know, locust and wild. I wonder if God's going to let him dress that way in heaven. Or if God's going to say, no, 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 no. Take a shower. I got a rope for you, something. Or Peter and James and John. I wonder if they'll have any time to fish in heaven. But to see them, or to see Moses. To see Zacchaeus. Wouldn't it be cool to walk up to Zacchaeus and just kind of, how tall are you, Zacchaeus? (laughs) We sung about you in Sunday school. They said you were a wee little man. And we'll see all these Old Testament saints. And then we'll see our loved ones. Can you imagine? Kevin put a picture up of Pastor McAllister and several of the deacons in the past in our church. And he said, the gang's all together again. Can you imagine in heaven? Brother McCallish was probably saying, we need a board meeting. <laughs> the company. The second thing that heaven means to me is the comfort. 
I like the fact that he said there'll be no more death and no more suffering. There'll be no danger. There'll be no tears. The comforts of heaven are wonderful. That's what heaven means to me. But finally, the choice. The choice. And by that, I mean every one of us has a choice whether we want to go to heaven or not. And people get so, I just can't believe in a God who would send somebody to hell. And you just got to answer back, I can't believe in a person who would choose not to go to heaven because God has done everything he possibly could to pave the way for you and I to go to heaven. But it's still a choice we make, isn't it? You see, we can get all warm and fuzzy talking about heaven, but we must acknowledge that if there is a heaven, the same God that teaches us about heaven teaches us there is a hell. And it's a place of torment, and it's a place of suffering. It's a place of not just death, but eternal death, death that never ends. It's a place where the worm dies not, where our pain is never quenched. There's a hell. And so when you think of heaven, you realize there's a choice. And the alternative, at least for me, is not very appealing. I want to go to heaven. I want to be there. I want to experience everything we talked about in this message. But that's my choice. I choose Jesus. God set before the children of Israel a choice, he said. He says, I've set before you a blessing and a curse life and death. And he said, you make the choice. And every one of us here this morning have this choice. I can follow in the steps of Gene. I can follow in the steps of Gail. I can follow in the steps of Brother McAllister or Bill Winchester. Juanita Haney. I need a cure. I can follow in these people's steps and go to heaven and be reunited with them and worship God with them in his presence one day. Or I can choose to reject Christ and face the consequences. I choose Jesus, don't you? You see, when he said, I go away to prepare a place for you. Thomas stepped up and Thomas said, Lord, we're not sure where you're going and we're not quite sure how to get there. And Jesus said, Thomas, you know. You know. He said, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I choose Jesus. How about you? People think they can get to heaven all sorts of ways. I can be good enough. I can donate money. I can obey the rules. All these ways. I won't get you there. Jesus said, I'm the way. Choose Jesus. Let's stand. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you, God, for the promise of heaven. I thank you, God, that your word is filled with such wonderful and precious things. Lord, what a What an amazing opportunity every one of us has to 
choose Jesus Christ as our Savior.